0: Welcome to the Citizen Femme podcast, created by women for women who love to travel in style. We are in our season four and it just gets better and better. In this season's Passport 2, we are diving right back into travel, bucket lists, family, what we're packing, where we're going. We're exploring travel, old and new. And I can't tell you how exciting it is to be talking to such inspirational people. In this episode, we are talking nostalgia, traveling by train. And we have two very knowledgeable guests joining us. I mean, who else would we call upon but journalist Monisha Rajesh and Kate Thompson of Belmont. Welcome to you both. I would love for you to both give me a brief introduction before we talk about the joys of trade travel.
1: Hello. So yes, I'm Kate and uh, I've been working at Belmont for 12 years now, which I can't believe where the time has flown. And I've become far more of a train spotter than I ever thought I would be in my life. So know far more about trains than I should do really. And uh, so have a fantastic job and um, I'm looking forward to telling you all about them. I can't wait to hear it Manisha. Um, Not dissimilar to Kate
2: actually, I've become quite the train boffin in a way that I didn't think I would be. Um, I wrote my first book around India in 80 trains uh, in 2010 and my subsequent books are around the world in 80 trains and also epic train journeys which I wrote during lockdown. Um, I'm working on my next book which is called Midnight Express which is all about the resurgence in night train travel uh, and I'm also looking forward to chatting to you
0: about my love of trains. That's fantastic. Now, I'm uh, my knowledge of, of train journeys is, I have to admit, limited. So I'm looking forward to learning all about it and the growth in it, which I, I think has grown a lot recently. But I want to go back to the beginning. What What role do you think nostalgia plays in our travel planning or decisions generally? From my perspective, nostalgia is definitely an enormous part of the romance of train
2: travel. Uh, And people often say to me, gosh, what a romantic, lovely way to travel. I bet it feels like sort of harking back to a golden age where you bed down in a lovely sleeper berth and you close your eyes in one country and you wake up in another. And I mean, I suppose to some degree that is romanticizing what the reality actually is. But for a lot of people who don't regularly travel by train, I think when they do, they are definitely looking for something that takes them back to a different time or or certainly harks back to something that we don't don't regularly have access to or we certainly wouldn't use on a
1: day-to-day basis. Yes, I'd completely agree with that. It is a a really romantic notion and as a heritage brand like we are with some really heritage trains and products and hotels across the world – that are really steeped in history. Everyone wants to know about the stories of those trains and hotels and what they can tell. And um, it's that sort of proud heritage that really informs everything we do and how we interact with our guests and try and get them really into the spirit of train travel and what that means. And and people um, often come on board thinking that they're just going to sort of stay in their couple in a way and and dine, dine as a pair, but then, before they know it, they want shared tables with their fellow travellers, and want to um, really have a great time. So that nostalgia feeds through everything we do um, at Belmont, and, and the stories that the trains have. We're we're just um, really eager to share those with our guests.
0: So perhaps there's a return to this golden age of travel. There's certainly, a, or, or a commencement of a new golden age. What do you think about that?
1: the golden age um, for us is is really key to um to a lot of the trains that we have because they are the vintage carriages that were um were born in that time and so restoring them back to life and allowing today's travelers to experience what it might have been like but very much in today's world you know this isn't old-fashioned food with old-fashioned um service this is very much up-to-date modern you know contemporary experiences but housed within these beautiful um, vintage carriages which have been lovingly restored. So that whole Golden Age of Travel was really inspiring to people at the time. It was really pioneering. And today we're still trying to embody that spirit of the Golden Age of Travel which is all about um, being pioneering and taking the trains to new places, to new destinations, allowing our guests to experience new things. Um, And that so the golden age was all about tied up with nostalgia, really, and those happy times and happy memories, and uh, you know, recreating those again at in different places and po- points on board, over a cocktail in the bar car, or a nightcap with your fellow travellers, or a jaunt um, a a of whiskey on the Royal Scotsman. Um, so lots of amazing places to mingle with your fellow passengers and and sort of relive those wonderful moments of the golden age of travel.
2: You've really fired something in me there uh, because I'm actually going to be on the Royal Scotsman next week. Um, I'm taking my mum up for her 70th birthday. Um, It's all part of my book research, but I thought I could roll some of the joy back into that as well. And um, I'm absolutely looking forward to that because I think, as you said, there definitely is a resurgence in people wanting to travel by train and not just for not just for anniversaries or birthdays or big celebrations. But I can see there are so many people now who are actively looking for train travel to be a part of the way that they not just go on holiday, but the way they actually live. And people are post pandemic, definitely looking at ways to travel that are slower that engage you much more in your landscape that engage you much more with your fellow passengers um and also in terms of climate change as well it's it's a huge part of travel now and it's something that nobody can ignore anymore and i think train travel absolutely feeds into all of those things and it's it's just bringing people back to recognize that there is this absolutely extraordinary way to travel it's never actually gone away um But I think we're just now reminding people that it has always been there and that it just takes you to research into it a little bit uh, and find that there are loads and loads of different ways to
0: travel by train in different places um, that are very accessible. Manish, what first sparked your interest in train travel? Do you remember, actually, do you remember your first journey by train? I don't remember my first train journey, but I have been told
2: about it. And it was actually my first international train journey as well. Um, I was in a pram and my parents were in Switzerland and they were on board a train that they thought was going to burn. And when they got chatting to their fellow passengers, as you do, they discovered that they were actually on the way to Bonn. And in the last second, they had to jump off the train and carry me in my pram across the tracks, much to the horror of the train staff, and get onto the right train. And I, I believe I was about three months at this point. Um, but after that, um, I was taken on trains a lot when I was little. And I, I suppose like all children, I I guess everybody's got that train story. Everyone's got some sort of memory of either traveling to the seaside by train or traveling to visit grandparents by train or just living by a train track and remembering trains juddering by the back of your house or something. But for me, the love of trains actually came after after researching my first book, not really before. I set off to India to, to do a book that I knew needed to be about people. It needed to be about modern India, about young people in India. And I just couldn't figure out a way to come face to face with those people. I needed to meet them, have their stories, chat to them, and to meet an enormous um, cross-section of society. And as I sat thinking about how I could possibly do this, I suddenly realized that train travel was the way to actually give myself access to, to all these people. And so it was a rail pass that actually got me into India, straight into what's known as the lifeblood of the nation. And I spent four months traveling by train, meeting lots and lots of different people from, I mean, you have politicians traveling up in first class, right down to laborers and fruit sellers down in general class. Um, You've got eight different classes across Indian trains. So you, you literally get to meet a microcosm of Indian society. And by the end of that four months, as I was on my last train coming back to Chennai in the south of India, I realized that it was actually the Indian trains and Indian railways that had become the lead protagonist of my story. And my whole book was really centered on Indian trains. They, They had just become a part of me. And it never left me. And I came back to England and I was just obsessed with trains after that. And wherever I went on holiday, I wanted to try and find trains. I would listen for the hoot of a train in a city and think, oh, I need to find the station. And and that's how around the world and eight trains came about because I thought I need I need to do this again I need to see if I can relive this amazing journey and find that charm and that that spirit uh, of people in different countries and and thankfully I was able to do that
0: from all your journeys do you find people as forthcoming to talk to or share their stories on trains. In different countries as they were in India or is it quite different it's, across it's similar in some places and um, um, one travel? of the
2: very basic things that makes that possible is language and um, that's why my second book was around the world because there was no specific there was no one country where I could go and replicate what I'd done in India because language was the problem and I'd wanted to go and do it in China but I don't speak Mandarin and or Cantonese and I thought I'm just I'm going to need an interpreter which for me just breaks up that relationship between fellow passengers if you've got someone constantly translating for you. So I I did my round the world train journey to see which countries were um, similar to India. And I think really all you need is, you need that friendship. You you need that moment where you both click and you look at the other one and think, you're okay, I get you. You're going to be my friend for the next however many hours. Whether that comes from, sharing some of your lunch, or it comes from cracking open a four-pack of Stella on the Trans-Siberian, or it comes from not knowing where you are and asking somebody, what are we looking at outside the window? That moment of that sort of spark between fellow passengers is all you need. And I don't feel like often language really is a necessity because you figure it out through sketches or drawings or gestures and things, and you end up making that bond. And I found that that sort of conviviality of train travel is actually quite normal around the world. It's very much there. You just need to to strike up that that flame
0: um, and keep it burning. That's so lovely. And there's something very romantic about it all, which I think is fascinating. Kate, you joined Orient Express. Is it 12 years ago, you said? It is, yes. So you steered the trains and cruises through the rebrand to Belmont in 2014?
1: That's right, that's right. Yes, yeah, so we, the company was called Orient Express and then um, and rebranded um, to Belmont in two fourteen and and really it was just a recognition of the sheer size of the company. Now um, we have six or seven trains and cruises, and then we have over over forty three hotels around the world. So it was an, an, a really big hospitality um, brand with many many iconic properties, and we just wanted to bring them all together under one global umbrella. Um, talking really about Belmond beautiful world so it was it was based on the notion of a beautiful world and really just trying to connect all these heritage properties and iconic stories together um, and allow our guests to really explore that beautiful world so it was yes it was a big time and, and we spent many um many years building the, the Belmont brand and uh, and then we were really fortunate to be bought by LVMH, Louis Vuitton at Hennessy um, back in 2019. So that's now made us part of Europe's largest uh, luxury conglomerate and um, the we- wealth of experience and opportunity and inspiration and expertise that comes from being part of LVMH is really inspiring.
0: Can you give us a summary of some of Belmont's signature journeys?
1: Yes, absolutely. So looking obviously at the trains, um, the the most iconic journey would be the journey on the Venice Sampler Orange Express from Paris to Istanbul or vice versa, from Istanbul back to Paris. And, and that's the classic route um, through Europe, through Bucharest and Budapest down to Constantinople, as it was then. And uh, we really do um, put an awful lot of time and effort into curating that journey to make sure it really is truly exceptional. We only do it once a year. And uh, it's, very, it's very popular. And uh, it's an extremely special journey. And Absolutely, one of those bucket list, um, one of those bucket list journeys to Istanbul, and then of course there's the classic journey to Venice, which um, everybody loves, and I've done, been lucky enough to do that a few times. And the first time I ever did it and saw the train in all its shining glory it was a complete pinch yourself moment. And as I rolled over the causeway in Venice, um, waving goodbye to Venice, shed a little tear. It was quite emotional. I didn't realise it'd be so emotional and my boss was in the next door cabin and I had to pull myself together and uh, tell myself this was work but actually it got me you know it got me and I was lucky to do that maybe in sort of week week three or week four of, of my Belmont journey so that was really amazing and, and that's it 12 years later I'm still here and even more in love with the trains and I visited just recently and they just get better and better they are shinier than ever before um, the the two restaurant cars in the Venice Saint-Laurent Express have just been and completely refurbished and look absolutely stunning and it, it's amazing how these historic old ladies can um become better each year they definitely improve with age in a nice way but some of the other journeys um, or the iconic ones around the world I suppose um, on the Royal Scotsman you've got the classic journey where you're into the highlands um, and out is the most wonderful way to see Scotland because you're cosseted in this luxury bubble as you look out the window sometimes at the wild weather but of course at the wild scenery which is really dramatic and you're on the beaches with the seals or walking across to sky early in the morning or at Glam's Castle, either gazing at the incredible history or looking at the wonderful Highland cattle um, at some of the estates that we visit. So really, that's a, a fantastic journey on the Royal Scotsman. And then to go over to Asia, we have the Eastern and Oriental Express, which travels the, the length of the Malay Peninsula between Singapore and Bangkok. So that's Quite an iconic journey, which people really think is maybe a bit of a myth, but it does exist. And uh, that's fantastic as they have the open air observation car at the back where you can stand and feel the heat of Asia out of the air conditioning, which is lovely and to... uh, and. Waving to um, life on the tracks and that's the thing with train travel as you were talking about um, Manisha is that you're really in the heart of it you're not just up in the clouds in the plane flying from one place to the next you're traveling through the heart of people's lives and you see life going on around you and the bicycles moving out of the way and the kids waving and shouting and it's really really lovely to see that and to feel that so those are sort of some of the some of the iconic ones but one of the the newer trains that we launched a few years ago is the Andean Explorer, which travels from Cusco to Puno to Arequipa and later to Cacar through some spectacular scenery in Peru. Uh, so that's a yeah a really special really special journey. Those are some of the some of the big ones.
0: Gosh, they, they all need to be added to a bucket list. I think that's so lovely the way which is so true. I mean, it didn't cross my mind, which seems bizarre, but you are journeying through the towns. And so you ha I have this lovely image of my head of these children waving as the trains go past, and you're you're going through people's everyday lives, which you definitely don't get on a plane. You're up in the air, you miss it all. So you mentioned having a tear in your eye after the Venice one. Of course, that emotional effect is very telling of train travel.
1: It's really interesting. The um, we had um, some guests come on the other day um, for a big season launch for the the beginning um, of this this year's VSUE season on the Venice Sample and Orange Express, and these these people were invited guests, and in they some of them were pretty famous, and uh, they they'd seen lots of things before. You know, they'd been to you know there, there was nothing much they hadn't seen in the world, but to see them all arrive at the train, they all turned into children. It was really interesting and it's a massive leveller and they all became this bunch of travellers together on the train. It didn't matter where they were from or who they were and they all turned into children. It was so lovely to see them because they'd never seen anything like it before. And so that was really, it was a really special moment. Really lovely.
0: Manisha, I want to go back to talking about your books and all your experiences and research in train travel. So can you tell me about the most epic Rail odysseys that you you've been on. Which would you add, or which would you suggest that we add to our bucket list?
2: Oh gosh, Um, there are three that always come to mind when I think about big, big, big journeys. Um, One is not the Trans Siberian, but the Trans Mongolian. Um, And what I didn't know before I actually took this train was that there's no specific train called the Trans Siberian. It's the name of the route. And there are three. There's the Trans Siberian from Moscow to Vladivostok. There's the Trans Manchurian. Which cuts right down through China into Beijing. And then there's the Trans Mongolian, which, as the name would suggest, um, goes from Siberia into Mongolia all the way across and then cuts into China and ends in Beijing. And that's the one that I took, which is a long, long journey. It's five days for the first leg before you even reach Siberia. And most people hop on and off because it's a lot to do in one stretch. I think it's about nine days in total if you did it without getting off. Um, but the whole point of that trip is that you hop off in between, you can take two to three days at a time before getting back on. Um, and that way you get a very good sense of where you are in the world. And I think specifically traveling through that part of the, I say the earth, actually, it's it's like traveling through a hinge in the earth when you cross over, because it's not area that you would normally ever set foot on when you're flying, you would just, you would literally get on a plane like we discussed before and fly from Moscow and just, you'd be in the air, you'd be in the clouds and you'd have no concept of any of the landscape or rivers or lakes or mountains or villages or stations or people or food or anything like that. But when you're on land, you are so aware of the way in which things rise and proceed or just the, the ways in which you're, you become a part of that landscape and it's the most extraordinary journey I've ever done because especially at nighttime when everyone's asleep, I used to love standing in the corridor and just looking out. And I used to see this landscape with swirling mists and just forests would suddenly pop up and they would be colors that I'd never seen before and the lakes would look shapes like I'd never seen before. And I thought you, you only really understand this part of the world or get to grips with how different... Um, earth can be when you're on a train when you're when you're literally curving and curling around um the land all the time and talking to people whose facial features start to change you know gradually as you go through different bits of the country um food start to morph into different kinds of you know cuisines and you can you can see that gradation of things changing whereas when you start at one end you just lift up and then you sort of pop down in the other and i think for for most people that that big, big journey that the trans-Siberian or trans-Mongolian is one of those epic bucket list trips. Um, so I'd say that was definitely out there as number one. But for me, the the one that I enjoyed the most was um, the Qinghai Railway, which goes from Xining in China up to Lhasa in Tibet. Um, that was a 56-hour train journey that I broke up. I did two lots of 20-odd hours. And that was extraordinary for me just in terms of the landscape. Overnight, you have this blackout blind that's down and you shove it up in the morning and you just get this incredible blaze of sunshine and it looks like a Mark Rothko painting you've got this big slab of yellow plateau and then big blazing slab of blue sky and yak's dotted around and silver lakes that look like you know molten mercury and then you've got Tibetan prayer flags everywhere and suddenly it changes to becoming ice blue mountains and Oh it's I I knew at the time when I looked out of the window that I would never see anything like that again and also I think the nature of what's happening in Tibet and the struggle that's been going on for so long also made that a very poignant journey for me because I was very aware that it was likely to be the one and only time that I ever did that and so for me that was a very special train journey and I would absolutely say to anybody who's got a couple of weeks spare <laughs> at some point in your life if you can get yourself out there absolutely get on that train and do that because you never know when you might not be able to again that's
0: really that's so fascinating um so we've got obviously the spectacular views and the experiences and the cultures but there's also the length so around the world in 80 trains that was a seven month voyage yes okay <laughs> that's a big <laughs> commitment a time commitment <laughs> um what would your advice be on length of train travel day trips weekend trips i mean 56 hours and beyond what what do you suggest or what advice do you have
2: well, I think for, it's it depends on the individual and what you're looking for in your travel. If you just want to get from A to B, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's judging. And there are plenty of incredible high-speed bullet trains that you can do Um, not just in Japan, which is famous for Shinkansen, the bullet trains, but also in China. The bullet trains are also in Europe. Spain has got some incredible high-speed trains, as has Germany. Um, And, again, it's just another really fun way to to get from me to be, but to be so immersed in your journey and be able to look out of the window and understand where you are at every single point of that trip. Um, But equally, if you're traveling with a family, it's worth considering doing an overnight trip, booking out a four-person compartment. You can turn it into what's essentially a mobile camping trip. You buy all your groceries, you get your you know, iPads for little people, um, you get your bug beds, and it turns into a really, really fun trip for everybody. Um, at the same time, if you just want to do solo travel as well, and you've got all the time in the world, you can book independent legs for a one long journey, and you can hop off in between. you can organize days and cities in between and I think that's a lovely bit about train travel it's so adaptable you you aren't restricted in any way. You can do your one log stretch or you could
0: just break it up and you can you can do whatever takes your fancy. There are no limitations. You mentioned overnight, and you know it's a lovely idea with a family as well kate I'd love to get your opinion on this, so travel via luxury sleeper train. This is a growing trend post-pandemic. Why do you think this is?
1: One of the aspects may be around that sort of personal private space um, when you're in your cabin. It's it's an amazing... Part of that sleeper train experience—you've got your private cozy cabin. Um, and during the pandemic, that became peep, people became a bit of a, you know, bit of a thing. It was a bit too peopley out there. So when you're in your private sleeper compartment, it's not very peopley which is quite good. Um, but also, I think it's a bit inspirational. I think it's a bit different. Um, and when we talk about our sleeper trains it's a it's a very different experience from something like the trans-siberian um in a completely sort of different way and uh it's it's a different experience that people are looking for and i think it's now seen as that ultimate treat um and post-pandemic people always said oh one day i'll do that well now people have realized that that day really needs to be today or tomorrow because, you know, life is short and life is precious. And we need to do these, you know, these big bucket list experiences and, and tick them off quickly because who knows what's going to happen. So I think it's sort of that inspirational aspect of sleeper trains and that sense of adventure and people wanting to do different things and go to different places and and the thing with train travel is it takes you off the beaten track takes you off the motorways and the roads um, and takes you into countryside as uh, Manisha was talking about to see things that that you would never see from the air or from the roads it takes you to all those different destinations and and that's really inspirational I think so the 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 sense of that epic adventure I think is coming back, and I think the pandemic has fired that sense of adventure in people to get back out there and get back travelling and to see those amazing amazing things that they um, had always wanted to do so
0: admittedly, train travel can actually be quite costly um, incredibly luxurious, and no doubt the the emotional value that you gain is is fantastic. But it is expensive, Manisha. Do you have any tips on affordable train journeys that can still feel luxurious, or even maybe cost-saving tips or anything like that? Oh,
2: so that's one of the things that train travellers, um, me included, are often griping about. Specifically in the UK, that if you want to book not just a sort of overnight sleeper, but a train ticket, to be honest, at short notice is really expensive. Um, and you can see why people just take quick flights because it's it's cheaper and it's faster. But if you book Far in advance, you can often get pretty good deals on your tickets and I mean, if you're planning holidays over Easter or summer that's probably the best way to do it so up to three months in advance, I think you can get your tickets and one of the other clever things to do which people don't often realize is that if you book your returns separately, you can get an enormous discount so just book 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 each leg individually um, oddly enough, you will get the same ticket for often about thirty percent less. Um, You can also get rail cards, you can get family tickets. And sometimes to just get a a rail card for a whole year is almost written off um, just by buying one big journey, um, which, again, people don't realize. Um, So it's worth looking into that. Um, Also, traveling around Europe doesn't have to be that expensive if you pick your countries correctly. (laughs) Um, When I went up to Sweden recently, I had a family of four traveling in a compartment, and they told me that it was so much cheaper for them to travel with their children and their dog than it was to try and book flights for everybody, to get taxis to and from the airport, to pay for all their excess luggage, where you have absolutely no luggage limitations. You can get on board as and when you want. You can take as many liquids as you like. You have shopping bags. You're just not restricted in the same way. Um, And again, because it was obviously over an Easter holiday, they'd been able to plan quite far in advance and so had been able to get tickets quite cheaply. So yes, always look into that and, and compare websites to see what you can get as discounts.
0: Gosh, I think it's so fascinating that booking your, your return separately is cheaper. That's totally the opposite with flights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. That's a very useful tip. And, and how do you think slow travel itself is becoming more of a priority, I think, for people, certainly indulging in that time and maybe doing multi destination stops, which of course from Belmont and any of the other train journeys, you have that advantage. Um, what advice do either of you have on making that change from air to rail, and more generally, maybe planning a more paced itinerary?
1: I, th- I think uh, making that uh, transition to the the, the slow travel um, has become quite a trend since the the pandemic is is now easing, and um, people wanting to explore in a different way, and one, and they're reassessing how they travel. And I think um, the the eco message um, that Manisha talked about earlier is is important to people and especially the younger generations coming through are really traveling much more consciously now. And I think train travel very much um, plays into that and slowing down and connecting with the journey that you're on. And the thing with train travel is that you begin your journey immediately you step on board and that's what's really great whether it's the cheapest journey you can imagine or the most luxurious the journey starts as soon as you jump on board because the scenery starts to change the people that you meet the experiences that you have whereas the air, the air bit of the journey is always um, annoying. It's cramped. It takes a while. It's tedious. Um, so it's not so much of an adventure, but I think that's the beauty of train travel really is, and the, the slow part of it is that the the journey has already begun. So it doesn't matter how long it takes because you build that in as part of your holiday or your adventure. Uh, so that's the, I think the, the, the main attraction for me is that the journey is the destination in itself.
2: Yes, I'm exactly the same. And I know I speak from a largely personal experience, but I absolutely hate being cramped between people on a plane, even if it's my own family, at least on the train. I love being able to just get up and saunter off to the dining car or to just go and stand in the corridor and look out of the window um, and move around and chat to people. And just that, that freedom that train travel affords you, at least Even when you pull into a station, you can hop off, even if it's a minute or two at a time, just to stretch your legs and take a deep breath outside and hop back in again. And travel by train just comes with so many—I guess so—so few restrictions and annoyances, and you don't have to take your shoes off to go through a scanner, and you don't have to take out your liquids and put everything in a plastic bag, and it's just it's so much more eco-friendly it's just it's better in every way i think for the environment for your mental health for just for everybody's general enjoyment of trains And, and while i i do appreciate that it can be very expensive for families sometimes and it can be really difficult if you've only got a very short period of holiday and you want to make the most of that time and just zip off on a plane and back again and that's fine um But always think about how much train travel you can do once you actually get somewhere. Once you arrive in a country, think about how you might actually be able to get yourself around with just two or three short train journeys um, can make
0: all the difference. Eco-friendly, mental health, general enjoyment. These must be three key objectives for anyone planning any trip. So they're absolutely fascinating. Um, Final question. We could go on, but final question. What is the one train journey
1: you cannot wait to take? It's such a hard one, isn't it? Gosh, I mean, I've just been listening to Manisha thinking, oh, I want to do all of those. They sound incredible. Um, But I have two two little children, nine and five. And so I'm always thinking... um, about, you know, obviously how to incorporate them in travel plans. And so they're always talking about when can I go on Mummy's posh train? <laughs> so that's always um, an interesting dilemma. Um, do I put my job on my line, job on the line and let my children travel? um So I'm actually really looking forward to one day dressing them up and going on one of the Belmont trains because I think that will be a very special moment to be able to share my job with them and to introduce them to something which they would never have seen. And to see, to see trains, you know, historic trains through little people's eyes is always really interesting. Um, But from a geographic point of view, I think, I think, wow, Peru, I'd love to go and do the Andean Explorer in Peru. I've never been and I can't couldn't wait to go up to Machu Picchu and and do the Hiram Bingham, and I think that would be incredible. And then all the way down to Lake Titicaca and and all the incredible scenery that you see en route would be um, amazing. So that one is definitely on my bucket list.
2: I was about to say exactly the same train. I have actually never been to South America. Full stop. Um, I've been saving it up for some big travels, but that one train, the Andean Explorer. Every time I see pictures of it. And I read about the places that it goes through and there's those little islands as well. I have just been desperate to get on that. And that's definitely up there circled as my number one bucket list train. Um, and similarly, I, I've really enjoyed taking my children on trains so far. They're, they're four and two, so they're still a little bit small. But I recently did a night train with my four-year-old from Nice up to Paris. And she absolutely loved um, getting on board, finding our compartment, clambering up the ladder and figuring out which birth was hers and and the whole thing was just so much fun to see it from the perspective of somebody who's never done a night train before and that absolute childish enjoyment which was shared by quite a lot of adults as well who I saw around us. So um, yeah, I think I'd like to do a lot more train travel with them as a family. They all
0: sound absolutely wonderful. I think you've, you've definitely opened my eyes up to to train travel and all these kind of considerations which are Vital And I think tremendous experiences for everybody to enjoy, for solo, family, all of it. It really accommodates to it all. So thank you both so much for sharing that. Where can we follow you on social media and all these fantastic adventures you have coming up?
2: Uh, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at Monisha underscore Rajesh. Uh mostly on Instagram, I would say, where you'll get videos of train travel and pictures of trains, <laughs> uh, lots of reels. Uh, in fact, next week, I will be in Scotland on the Belmond Royal Scotsman. So expect to see some pics and videos from that.
1: We can't wait to welcome you. That's going <laughs> to be really special. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful time. Thank so th- I suppose the best way to find um, about Belmont Trains is, is at Belmond. So Instagram at Belmont is probably the best handle to follow and through that you can then explore all the different um, trains that we have and also the cruises and the, and the hotels and all those different adventures.
0: Thank you both so much for your time, for sharing your tips and And adventures and bucketless travel, and um we cannot wait to follow all these journeys with you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please do rate and review us. Share with anyone who well loves travel and you think would love to hear from our guests. And make sure to check out the first three seasons of this podcast where we go behind the scenes of our favorite hotels. We talk wellness. We talk female liberation. We really do have it all. In the meantime, happy traveling and catch you next time.